Good morning. Oh, this is an exciting day. Um, I'm going to do this now, and I'm going to try to remember to do it at the end as well, because it doesn't matter how many times we communicate things, we never communicate them enough. So let me do this before we start. A couple of things you need to know today. Uh, after the baptism, or after the, the service this morning, what we're doing right now, um, after the last song, we're going to, as a group, kind of clear this place out. We move out every Sunday. We have a teardown crew that does that, but as a body, we're going to do that. Just hang around, okay? Because at 11.30, a lifeguard is going to show up, which we, by law, have to have before we can get in the, the pool outside. And we're going to go outside, and we're going to baptize about 10 people. Now, there was a little bit of a slip-up. If you're here this morning and you're planning to be baptized, somehow or another, this thing that you signed that allows you permission to go in the water according to the, the YMCA's insurance rules, disappeared. Don't know where it went to. We need you to sign that again so we can hand it to the lifeguard before you get in the water. So if you're planning to get baptized this morning, see Bob, red shirt, back table, right there, okay? He needs to get your signature once again. I apologize for that somehow. It just uh, got overlooked. I don't know where it went to or why it didn't show up. After the baptism service, Okay, which will be hopefully right at 11.30, the, the uh, lifeguard's supposed to be here by then. We're going to, as a body, go have a potluck picnic, whatever you want to call it, at a place called the Orchid Hill Picnic Grounds. Now, the Orchid Hill Picnic Grounds, I intended to have a map for you, and somehow that slipped my brain last night while I was working on this sermon. I just didn't quite get there. But it is actually really quite easy to find. If you will get on Highway 101 and head towards Santa Barbara, Everybody kind of know where Clark Street exit is, okay? Go right past the Clark Street exit. Stay on the freeway, okay? The very next opportunity you'd have to get off the freeway going south will be the right one. As you go, it's about a half a mile past Clark. You'll see a yellow sign that has a T intersection kind of sign. You know those, what, what they look like? It's about maybe 100 feet 150 feet after that sign that the road actually is. There's not a lot of marking for it. You'll see that yellow sign. We're going to put out one of our sandwich signs for the church that say New Life on it and put some balloons on it so that you can't miss the thing. But be aware, it's not an exit, okay? It's just a road off the side of the freeway. So if there's somebody behind you, make sure you break enough, you give them enough warning that you're getting off the freeway so they don't rear-end you, okay? It's, it's kind of one of those things, and it kind of sneaks up on you pretty quick. So when you see that, that sign, you need to get, get on the brakes because it'll come pretty quick. After you get off the freeway, follow the road. There's a gate that you'll go through. Just follow to the top. We'll have sandwich signs set out to direct you to the picnic grounds. It's not hard to find. It's basically you go up the hill and hang a right. And, and it's pretty well marked already, but we'll have signs as well. So not too hard to find the place. That's gonna, we're going to have the gate open at 1230. Kids, we're going to have, oh, the kids already went out. We're going to have a bounce house for you. Yeah, <laughs> so you'll know where they are. <laughs> but there'll be a bounce house set up at, at the picnic grounds. Um, if you've got, like, baseball gloves and balls and stuff like that you want to bring, we, we're bringing Frisbees. The church has a, a handful of Frisbees, about a half a dozen or so, for that kind of stuff. We're going to take guitars and, and the bass drum and stuff up, so we'll have a time where we can sit around and worship if you want to. You don't have to. There are horseshoe pits uh, to play horse. This is all kinds of stuff to do up there. 
Oh, and remind them of what to bring. The barbecue, bring your own meat, whatever that is. If your last name starts with something between A and M, bring a side dish or a salad. If it's N through Z, bring a dessert. Um, that's basically how it works. We've got water and, and ice and cups and all that kind of stuff. Your meat to cook, whatever your, your main thing is, bring that. The church isn't doing that part of it. So uh, remember to bring your own meat to cook and then a side dish or dessert. Parents, please hang on to your children during baptism. <laughs> yeah, once we're out at the pool deck, please hang on to your children. Um, we don't want anybody accidentally baptized in their street clothes. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a little different. Anything else? I'm going to try to remember to go over this again at the end, okay? So we're, uh, we're kind of finishing up a sermon series on connections, connecting with one another and connecting with God and the different ways we can do that and have promoted that. And each week I've given you kind of like an assignment, you know, get this, get this done, connect with God or connect with somebody else in the body of Christ, anything. But, but don't ignore that. Make it very practical. And, and today's no different. This is actually going to be uh, the last one in connecting with God. A preacher stood on a street corner and he was preaching to just anybody who would listen. And I know I've told this story before, but it, it's really pertinent to what I, I want to talk about this morning. This man approached the preacher. He looked like he had lived on the street forever. He was just uh, one of those homeless people. Preacher says, can I help you? Well, I think you can, said the guy. Uh, Would you like me to tell you about Jesus? No. Well, if you don't want me to tell you about Jesus, would you like me to pray for you? No. Okay, if you don't want me to tell you about Jesus and you don't want me to pray for you, well, then how can I help you? You can give me your Bible. Why would you want my Bible if you are not interested in knowing Jesus? Well, I notice that the pages of your Bible are, are very thin, and I can use pages like that to, to wrap up a, a joint, a cigarette. Wisdom suddenly came on the preacher. You know what? I, I'll tell you what. I'll give you my Bible. If you'll agree to do one thing, if you will agree to read the page before you smoke it, then the Bible's yours. The homeless guy agreed. He took the Bible, he left. The preacher thought, well, that's the last time I'll see him, but I can always get another Bible. Several months passed, and, and once again, the, the preacher was on that same street corner, and the man came up dressed in a three-piece suit. He says, you don't know me, do you? And no, I've never seen you in my life. Well, actually, yes, you have. You see, I'm the man you gave a Bible to about four months ago. Preacher couldn't believe his, his eyes. What happened? Tell me, what, what happened? And the man simply said, well, I smoked my way through the book of Matthew. <laughs> then I smoked Mark, and then I smoked Luke. And then John smoked me. morning we're continuing our series on connecting with God and you know Jan and I had a conversation the other day on where I was headed with this sermon series because at first she wanted to know, you know was I going to delve further into the relationship thing and talk about uh, powerful ways of communication appropriate boundaries becoming powerful people which is important all those things are really good things and and by the way all those things were things I was considering at the time but a day or two later we, we came to the same subject and I was feeling different I, 
I wanted to get back to preaching through a book of the Bible. She had been pre- preaching through or teaching through 1 Corinthians with her women's study, and, and she still is. And I'm learning from her as she's learning kind of thing, and it's just it's, it's exciting to, to do that. And on the Wednesday evening study for the men uh, at, that meet at Panera at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, that's a hint, okay? 5 o'clock on Wednesday at Panera. Uh, we started going through the book of Ephesians, and this last week we, we were in Ephesians chapter 4, and I was just struck by Ephesians chapter 4 and the import that it had on my life. And so we had this conversation again, you know, we're going to continue on this relationship thing, and I was saying, no, I really feel like, you know, I need to get back into a book of the Bible. And I, I admitted to my wife, I said, you know what, all these other things are good, these relationship things are wonderful, and I believe that they're very very needed in the church. We need to know how to connect with God and with one another, and we need to be challenged in that to actually do it. I I believe in that. But there's something about being in the Word of God for me that just excites me. I don't get that from anything else. I read through the Word of God, and, and it moves me. It inspires me like nothing else can. So the conclusion was this. We need to get back into studying through a book of the Bible. So this morning is kind of like a, a first and last thing. It's the last sermon that I'm going to do on connections and relationships. And it's kind of like a first or a lead-in to a first towards going back to studying a book of the Bible. I suppose that's appropriate because this morning, how I want to talk about connecting with God is connecting with God through the Scriptures, through the Bible itself. By the way, just to give you an idea of what's coming up in, in just the next couple of weeks. Next week, Jim and Julie Hansen, Jim is my wife's brother, so he's my brother-in-law. They've been in Tanzania for, what, about a year now? They've been in Tanzania, Africa, with Hope of the Nations, a missions organization that we support and have had quite a bit of interaction with. In fact, I got the opportunity three years ago to go over and teach um, the book of Isaiah to their indigenous pastors there. And they're going to be here. They're, they're on furlough. And so they're going to come. They're going to share the new things that are happening in Hope of the Nations and what's going on in uh, Tanzania, what's going on uh, within the ministry there. So they're going to be here next week. The very next week after that is Thanksgiving. So going to do this. We'll do a Thanksgiving kind of thing for, for that Sunday. Believe it or not, the next Sunday is December 1st. And we're, o- yeah, we're already at Christmas, followed by, of course, New Year's. We're into the holiday season. It all goes so fast these days. I was cleaning out my, uh, my office yesterday, and I discovered a wrapped piece of Ghirardelli peppermint bark that came out of my stocking last year. And it was just underneath a stack of papers in my office that I hadn't obviously gone through in a year. No, I didn't eat it. But I'm sure it's still good, right? You know, Christmas was just a month ago, right? I'm sure it's still good. Anyway, my plan is really simple, okay? To honor the holidays, to, to, to deal with Thanksgiving. You know why? Because the holidays are holy days. That's what holiday means. It is a holy day. And so we want to honor those. So uh, when we come back 
two weeks from now when it's Thanksgiving, I'm going to do a Thanksgiving message, and then we're going to do a series that leads us into Christmas and the New Year's. But starting the first Sunday in January, okay, we're going to jump back into a book of the Bible, probably one we'll be in for quite some time. I've been thinking about this and praying about it for a while, so I have some ideas on what that looks like. At least I'm leaning towards a a few different things. One of those is to go through the book of Romans. Romans has just incredible amount of solid doctrine uh, for the church. This is what we believe, and this is why we believe it kind of thing. And I love the book of Romans. One of my favorite books in, in college to study through was the book of Romans. But I've also been considering the practical wisdom that's contained within the book of James. And, well the supernatural faith that's that's contained in the book of Hebrews. So I have these three ideas. It's either going to be Romans, James, or Hebrews. Not exactly sure what's going to happen with that. We may just take them all in that order. I don't know. Because you know what? They actually build upon one another beautifully. But that's next year, which, by the way, is only about seven weeks from now. Isn't that just blow your mind? 2014 is almost upon us. Today, though, today is about connecting with God through a very practical and very immediate pathway, the Word of God, the Holy Scripture, the Bible. So let's do this. Let's stop and pray and ask God to be here as we do this through the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I just come before you. You have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. It really is contained within your word, but everything beyond that is contained within you, and you gave us yourself as well in your Holy Spirit. We have you living inside of us, Heavenly Father. Jesus, you walk and talk with us all the time. Holy Spirit, you are a constant companion, and you want us to connect with you. That's why you gave us the word in the first place, that we might know you, and in knowing you, connect with you, and have the intimacy that you designed us to have. So I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear this morning, and that you would give us the discipline that it takes to actually make that connection happen, because it is the best thing for us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Second Timothy, she shared about Timothy this morning. Paul's disciple. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed, okay? That means it's inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I think it's really easy to forget that the Bible is something more than just a book something more than just words on a page. We might not say that it's just a book. That would be heresy. You know, we wouldn't go to a place like that. It's not just a book. It's the most important book on the planet, right? But in the way that we tend to disregard its importance in our everyday lives, we actually say that loud and clear. And make no mistake about it, God hears. God knows what we do with his word. 
I said last week that we all get the life we choose, right? We all get the life we choose. It's not that happenstance can't do something in your life to turn your life around. I get that. I understand that. But for the most part, we all get the life we choose. You don't like your life? Then choose differently. The same goes for how we approach the Bible or choose not to approach it. God has given this amazing resource to us for living what Jesus called the abundant life. We can choose to read it, to study it, and to follow it or not. But make no mistake, choosing to ignore it, to downgrade it from vital for our lives to something that is more optional, is to choose to miss out on its power to transform us into people of godly character, godly purpose, testimony, and destiny. We literally forfeit the opportunity for becoming people thoroughly equipped for every good work, which is what that verse in 2 Timothy says. But more important than all that is the fact that we miss out on connecting with God who does all that transforming in our lives in the first place. The idea is captured in, in the first few words of that verse. All scripture is God-breathed. Folks, you're not connecting with a book. You're not connecting with words on a page. You're connecting with the author. It's God-breathed. It's God's thoughts towards you. It's his heart towards you. The one who breathed those words is the same one who breathed life into our mortal bodies. Who could possibly know us better? And if that's true, if that's true, what he wrote for us should be of prime importance to us. After all, it is a manual for life, life in Christ and life more abundant. During the Super Bowl, a few years back, it was right after a, a movie by Tom Hanks came out about him being stranded on an island. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. The movie was called Castaway. And in that movie, Tom Hanks plays a, a FedEx worker whose company plane goes down, crash lands in the ocean, stranding him on a desert island for I think it was four or five years. This commercial was kind of a parody uh, in the Super Bowl of that particular movie. And in the commercial, there was this bedraggled-looking Hank's character in a, in a FedEx employee outfit who goes up to the door of a suburban home with this package in hand, which happened in the movie as well. And when this lady comes to the door, he explains that he had survived for five years on a desert island. And during that whole time, he kept this package in order to deliver it to her. She gives a simple thank you. But he's curious about what was in that package that he'd been protecting so that he could deliver it years later. He says, if I may ask, what was in that package after all? She opens it and she shows him the contents saying, oh, nothing really, just a satellite telephone, a global positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. <laughs> you know what? Something like that package, okay, is what our Bibles are like. It is a resource that if we don't open it, we don't get the use of, we don't get the benefit of. 
we don't get to take advantage of all that God has supplied us. The Bible is a resource for living. There's a problem, however, that I've encountered with the study of Scripture, I think, in the church today. It's a misunderstanding, I think, of Paul's admonishment to his disciple, again, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth, the word of truth being Scripture. This verse has been taken to mean that the study of the word of God is the most important even the only important thing that we can do. This thought line inevitably results in elevating the study of Scripture or its application to our lives to a level where it takes place over relationship with God. Our relationship, folks, is served through the Scripture. I don't have a relationship with the Bible. I have a relationship with the author of the Bible. Does that make sense? Okay. It's not that the Bible isn't important. It's incredibly important. It's like you can't do without this thing, okay? It is like a line, a lifeline to that relationship. But it is not the relationship. It is a tool that God has given us that we might experience relationship and intimacy with him. D.L. Moody said this, Dwight Moody, he was an evangelist, He started Moody Bible Institute, by the way. He said, the scriptures were not given for our information. They were given for our transformation. You got that? Scriptures were not given to us for information. They were given to us for our transformation. I understand what Moody is saying. Too many believers, far, far too many pastors and teachers in Christianity today have turned it into a scholarly pursuit, an academic pursuit event, an exercise that robs it of its power to transform our lives. You know what? That is exactly what the Pharisees of Jesus' day would do as well. They were incredibly well-informed in the Scripture, well-studied, but still Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They were dead on the inside. There was no living being in there. There was no relationship with God. The scriptures are not given for our information. They're given for our transformation. Despite the amazing amount of information that is there, it has a purpose, and that purpose is defined in how it transforms us to be like Jesus. Scripture is meant to change us, to change us from the inside out, to change us to be like Jesus so that we can be Jesus to the world around us. Anything else, folks, is just information. It's just academics. I'm not saying that information is wrong, not at all, okay? It's important. What I'm saying is that the study of Scripture, simply for the pursuit of information or academics, is of little profit. In fact, it can be detrimental, as in the case of the Pharisees, because it can lead to pride and self-righteousness, which is, by the way, pride's inevitable result. There's kind of a, a saying in theological pastoral circles, that uh, once you go to Bible college, the next step for a pastor is to go get a master's degree. For that, you have to go to a seminary, okay? That's how you get your master's degree. A lot of us look at that as going to the cemetery more than the seminary, because 
Too many seminaries do the academic thing without the relational thing. Not all, but too many do the academic thing without the relational thing. And what they do is actually turn people away from intimacy with God. Way too many people go through seminary and never enter the ministry because of what happens in seminary. It is not about the information. It is about the transformation. When you approach Scripture, approach it as someone who is looking to connect with God in a personal, in an intimate way. If you will do that, then I can promise you that transformation will be the result. You cannot encounter God without being changed by that experience. Take a look through Scripture. It happens every time. You cannot encounter God without being changed by that encounter. Now, why do I say encounter with God, okay? Because that is what Scripture is meant to do for us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, the Bible is not a collection of the religious thoughts of men. It's not the ramblings of good people with great wisdom, intelligence, insight into the human condition, though all of those things are there. It is the Word of God. It is God speaking to us, His most precious creation for one purpose and one purpose only, to initiate a relationship with us, to literally reestablish a correct relationship with us. To approach the Word of God without intent to connect with God is to miss the point and the purpose of His Word. It is to miss transformation. Psalm 1 Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. He will prosper in all that he does. That is a picture, folks, of transformation through encounter with the living God that we find in Scripture. Ravi Zacharias, a, a pastor and, and speaker that I got the opportunity to hear once at a men's conference, he tells this amazing story of a young Christian back in the war days of Vietnam quite some time ago. He writes, I was ministering in Vietnam in 1971. Some of you are too young to remember that day. I was a freshman in high school. And one of my interpreters was a man named Hien Pham. He was an energetic young Christian. He had worked as a translator with the American forces and was of immense help both to them and to missionaries such as myself. Hien and I traveled the length of the country and became very close friends before I returned home. We did not know if our paths would ever cross again. Seventeen years later, I received a telephone call. Brother Ravi, the man asked. Immediately, I recognized Hien's voice. And he soon told me his story. Shortly after Vietnam fell, Hen was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans. His, his jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democratic ideals and against the Christian faith. He was restricted to communist propaganda in French or Vietnamese, and the daily deluge of Marx and Engels began to take its toll on his thinking. 
Maybe he thought, maybe I've been lied to. Maybe God doesn't really exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So Han determined that when he awoke the next morning, he would pray to God no more. He wouldn't even think about his faith. He was just going to walk away. The next morning came. He was assigned to the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrine. As he cleaned out a tin can overflowing with used toilet paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on one of the pieces of paper. He hurriedly grabbed it, washed it, and after his roommates had retired that night, he retrieved the paper and read the words, Romans chapter 8. He began to read, We know that in all things God works for good for those who love him. And I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He began to weep. He knew his Bible. He knew that there was not a more relevant passage for one on the verge of surrender. He cried out to God asking for forgiveness, for this was to have been the first day that he wasn't going to pray. After finding the scripture, Hen asked the commander if he could clean the latrines every day because he discovered that there was some official using the Bible as toilet paper. Each day, he would pick up a portion of Scripture, clean it off, and add it to his collection of nightly reading. What his tormentors were using for refuse, the Scripture could not have been more treasured for him. Eventually, he was released from prison, and he fled to Thailand. Today, he's actually a businessman in the United States, a radiant Christian, living a testimony of power because God's Word transformed him. Folks, give the Word of God the opportunity to transform your life. You won't regret it. What you will, will regret is if that thing sits on the coffee table or on your bookshelf and all it ever does is collect dust, at the end of all things, you will have missed an abundant life. Will you still go to heaven? God is good. He's loving. He's kind. He's gracious. You're not saved by how much scripture you read. You're saved by who you believe in. But you will have missed the abundant life you could have had if you don't open up that book and let it transform you. Let it change you from the inside out. Charles Spurgeon declared, if God has spoken, we better listen. If God has recorded his words in a book, we better search the pages with a believing heart. If you do not accept God's word as inspired, well, then I cannot invite you to pay any particular attention to it. But if you regard it as a book of God, then I charge you. I charge you in the same way as I shall meet you at the judgment seat of Christ, and that is inevitable. I charge you to study the Bible, to do it daily. Listen, treat not the eternal God with disrespect, but delight in his word. So I have a practical challenge for you. All of these have practical challenges attached to them, okay? This one is very practical as well. 
if it's going to change you, if it's going to transform you, if you're going to live an abundant life, you've got to connect with God to see that happen. And the Word of God is one of our primary pathways to that connection. It's how we know who He is for us. It's how we know His heart towards us. So as I said earlier, you know, we're going to have Jim and Julie next week, Thanksgiving, we're going to do a Thanksgiving thing, and then I'm going to do a series leading into Christmas and the new year. But after the new year comes, we're going to start, I believe, at this point, I'm going to, I'm going to say I believe, we're going to start with the book of Romans, then probably the book of James, then most likely the book of Hebrews, in that order. Here's the deal. Read one chapter a day, starting tomorrow, okay? Monday through Friday, one chapter a day, just one chapter, okay? Only one, one chapter a day, out of the book of Romans. And when you finish the book of Romans, start in the book of James. Book of Romans is only 16 chapters long, so it's only going to take you 16 reading days to get through the entire book of Romans. The book of James is only five chapters long. It will only take you one week, Monday through Friday, one week to get through the book of James. And after you're done, read the book of Hebrews, 13 chapters, two weeks, okay? If you will do that starting on Monday, tomorrow, okay, you will finish the book of Hebrews right before January. Now, if you include weekends, you can miss a day, and it won't mess anything up, okay? All I did was calculate Monday through Friday, okay, get up in the morning before you go to work, maybe before you take your shower kind of thing, or before you go to bed at night, one chapter just one chapter, and you will finish all three books by January 1st, by the new year. And you will be prepared for us jumping into, or at least somewhat familiar with, okay, the book of Romans, the book of James, and the book of Hebrews. That's your challenge. Anybody up for it? Okay. All right. Then that's what we'll, exactly what we'll do. We will we'll start with the book of Romans in January. Now, I have to warn you, the book of Isaiah was 66 chapters long, and it took me two and a half years <laughs> to get through it. Romans is only 16 chapters, but I can pretty much promise you it's going to take about a year to get through. You're going to love the book of Romans. I just know that you are. And then we'll do that practical wisdom that's in James, and that'll be fun too. And then we'll get into the supernatural stuff with the book of Hebrews, and that'll be awesome as well. But don't expect this to go fast, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to take a chapter a day uh, or a, a week kind of thing through the book of Romans. We'll do sometimes one verse, you know? When we get to that verse of Romans 8, 28, God turns all things to good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. I'll probably camp on that verse all day, Okay. <laughs> There are just some amazing things in the book of Romans that will take us some time to get through because there's so much there for us to understand in order to really realize how good God is and how much he wants to connect with us. Romans chapter 8 being one of my favorite chapters, and then Romans chapter 12, again, almost as, as favorite as that. Amazing stuff, just amazing stuff. So read that, read that, that's your challenge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you because you are good. You are just that good. You desire relationship with us. You desire intimacy with us. And you've left nothing 
lacking in drawing us to you. You gave us everything we need for life and godliness. You gave us everything we need in order to connect with you. And part of that is your word, Father. And and I want us to be people who delve into who you are for us, who delve into your word because it transforms us. It makes us into the image of Jesus as we surrender ourselves to it. I thank you for that. You didn't leave us to walk this life trying to figure it out for ourselves. You gave us an instruction manual. You gave us a map. You gave us everything we need, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.